Okay, hello everyone, and welcome back to a member's Chaburashur. Today we have Rabbi Joshua Maruf back with us for an exciting presentation on understanding halakha, where we will dive into Kiryat Shema and see a holistic and compelling system of halakha. In the last weeks, we had Rabbi Maruf present on the approach of the Sfaradim to Tanakh and how it contrasted with the Ashkenazi approach, as well as a fascinating shiur on understanding mitzvot from within the Peshat. If you missed these insightful shiurim, or would like to do Chazara, uh, you can find these recordings on our website, along with all our other lectures. Um, as many of you have heard, our new curriculum has been announced and registration has been opened. Uh, so go check out the trailer and the new program, which will launch by September, and make sure to renew your membership to take full advantage of all the amazing content we have coming. Um, as well, um, your membership is, will support our important initiatives, uh, such as the publishing house, the journal, the live events, and all the amazing things we do. Uh, with that said, uh, this class is being recorded and will be available. And um, if you have any questions, please use your hand. Um, and please, God, there will also be time for questions at the end. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining. And thank you so much, Rabbi Maruf. It is a pleasure and privilege to always have you with us. Thank you. So uh, this is uh, somewhat of a, uh, a unique circumstance because this is actually something that you know, I uh, hadn't in the past, uh, uh, I haven't in the past spoken about this particular example. So it's a rare case where uh, I'm going to be for the first time delving into the, to a topic um, I was seeking, I was trying to uh, identify a good example to, uh, to share with the, uh, with the group that would illustrate how one approaches a topic of halakha in a holistic manner in a non-pilpolistic uh, style. And uh, so in the process of trying to find a good example, I came across one that I think is very compelling, but uh, this is the first time that I've been, uh, that, I've, that I'm using it in this way. So it's gonna be an interesting journey for all of us to see if uh, I'm, I'm really actually interested to hear everyone's feedback in this particular case, because since this is the first time that I'm using this example to, uh, to illustrate these concepts, um, it'll be uh, instructive to me to hear uh, what all the listeners uh, feel about how well the case is made um, by this particular example. Let's put it that way. So um, what we're going to do, Bezat Hashem, is to start with actually the very, very first halacha that's mentioned in the Talmud. Very first halacha that's mentioned in, uh, in the Mishnah. Uh, it seems like a perfect place to start. If we're thinking about um, recasting or reconsidering our approach to halakha, the problem with halakha, for from our standpoint, there's no problem with halakha. The difficulty with halakha, from our standpoint, is that uh, it contains a great deal of information, uh, quite a lot of particulars, and uh, a lot of rules and regulations and details, and it's oftentimes very difficult to uh, to perceive what the unifying theme is of these details, how these details make sense, why these details are valuable, why they're important, why they're worthwhile, why so much emphasis is placed upon them. And, um, and one of the, uh, and, and connected with that, related to that, is that the approach uh, to, the, to the study of the details uh, for one who has kind of given up on the hope of finding a unifying theme of, of being able to see a big picture, because as we say, you know, they're, they're missing the forest from the trees. There's so many trees that they don't see the forest. So what ends up happening is that there's a lot of 
uh, a lot of focus on individual details uh, at the expense of the bigger picture, because when it's difficult to see the big picture, of course, we zero in on what we're able to perceive and what we're able to understand and grasp. And that's where the intellectual energy ends up being focused. And that's how we enter into the whole world of Pilpul, or we enter into a world in which the details take on a life of their own, independent of one another. The way that I conceptualize, the way that I would define Pilpul, if I were to define it, is that Pilpul basically disconnects ideas or disconnects principles or, uh, or details from their context and operates as if these details are significant in their own right um, and, and proceeds in that direction as if they are self-evidently, um, uh, self-evident points that are significant in their own right. And uh, we'll see how that could work out, how that approach could work out and how another approach hopefully would work out better. So let's take, but rather than give too much of an introduction, let's jump into the content. But uh, we're gonna begin, like I said, with the very first Mishnah. As there's a, uh, a number of other items that we're going to be taking a look at as well that I tried to open in advance uh, so that I wouldn't have to search around too much in between and keep everyone waiting. Uh, it could be that, that despite that effort, there are sources that come up in my mind in the course of the discussion that I have to search for anyway, but I tried to preempt that as much as I could. Uh, so this is the very first Mishnah of Masechet Vachot, which is, of course, the first Mishnah of the Talmud, of the entire Torah uh, Peh, as it's committed to writing in both the Talmud Bavli and Talmud Yerushalmi, which we're going to see a little bit of both uh, for, in the course of this discussion. Now, very famous question, from when do we read the Shema in the evening? So there's a lot already to unpack from this very simple question, what is the Shema? A person who is opening up the Talmud Bavli for the first time and doesn't have any background and doesn't have any sense of a foundation is gonna have a lot of questions. Like from when do we read something that I've never heard of before and why would I even assume that I should be reading it and so on, all the questions that would come along for a person who doesn't have a foundation at all. So you right away see that the Mishnah is presupposing a wealth of information that you already have, that you would know what the Shema is, that you would know that it has a time that it's supposed to be read and so on. We're not going to go too much into this particular uh, because um, it will it will take us away from the main emphasis of what I'd like to present tonight. But uh, from the time that the Kohanim entered to eat their Turuma is a code term for basically for the time that the stars come out. The end of the day when all of the light is gone and therefore the stars are visible, that is the time that the Kohanim enter to eat their Turuma. In other words, Kohanim who were impure during the day, they went to the Mikveh during the day, unlike women today who go to the Mikveh at night, um, other people who are Tamei go to the Mikveh during the day and then they wait out the end of the day and then they're able to avail themselves of whatever was prohibited while they were uh, impure, rit ritually impure. The main point of the, uh, that, that we're going to focus the most on uh, is uh, this, uh, the, the end time really uh, is, is what more discussion centers around. The end time of the reading of the Shema at night, which is until the end of the first watch, according to Rabbi Eliezer. Now the Gemara does discuss what is the first watch. Does that mean three hours into the night, meaning a quarter of the night, or does that mean a third of the night? But either way, Rabbi Eliezer caps the time, he limits the time that you can read the Shema at nighttime, which would mean that you would have to have Arvit services 
relatively early. You wouldn't be able to have like a, an 11 o'clock at night arvit because you would pass the time of the Shema. Now, the Chachamim say until midnight. He says until dawn. In other words, you get the entire night. Now, it turns out that the Mishnah goes on to explain that really the Chachamim in principle agree with Rabban Gamliel that all night is fair game for the reading of the Shema. The only thing is that they stop you at midnight because they figure that a person who's already reached midnight is very likely that they're going to fall asleep and miss the Shema altogether. So therefore they limited you and said you should do it before midnight, okay? Now the question of course is, so, so really what we have is two positions in the Mishnah that are uh, of halachic import, uh, of major halachic import, meaning that they are um, not just re refining of one another, like the Chachamim basically agree with Rabban Gamliel. So they're a third opinion, but they fundamentally agree with Rabban Gamliel's um, understanding of the halacha. So Rabban Gamliel is telling you, you have all night to read the Shema. The, the Rabbi Eliezer is saying you only have a few hours. Maybe it's four hours, maybe it's three hours, right? But but they, but they what, So what they're disagreeing on is the end time of the Shema. And the simple interpretation which Rashi brings when he explains the Mishnah is that we're basing ourselves on a pasuk that we all know, which is a person should read the Shema when he lies down and when he rises up. And you lie, and so when you when you lie down, could either refer to when you go to sleep, which is in the beginning of the night, uh, except for the people that we we're talking about that go to sleep at two, 2 a.m. Obviously, they would be uh, the exception, okay? But uh, the beginning of the night, in those days when they didn't have electric lights and all of the uh, technology that we take for granted today, going to bed earlier was more common, obviously, because it became pitch black very early, and unless even with good candles. Uh, you know, a dark room is a dark room. People instinctively want to go to sleep and they'd rather get up early when the sun starts to rise. So people would go to sleep at that time. So if Bishokh Bacha means when you lie down, so that would give you a limited time. That would mean the beginning of the night. If Bishokh Bacha means, by contrast, as long as you are lying down, meaning that it's a reference actually to, um, to the entire night, meaning as long as you're actually asleep. So then... Uh, that would mean that uh, that you would have all night long, and that's what Rabban Gamliel, how he understands the uh, the pasuk. Okay, that's how the commentaries all explain on a basic level what is the machloket here, what is the disagreement here, and of course, as we know, and I'm sure all of you, everyone who's listening, has at least some experience with the phenomenon of rabbinic disagreement and the fact that the well-known fact that the Talmud is fu full of different opinions and disagreements among Chachamim about halachot, and that this is considered to be a, uh, you know, a signature feature maybe of Talmudic learning, that there are these different opinions and that they spar against each other to try to prove their case, to disprove the other side, to come up with some conclusion at the end of the discussion. So, uh, but this is the first halacha that the entire Talmud introduces us to, the, uh, the mitzvah of reading Kriyat Shema at night, and, in, and specifically the timing of the mitzvah, which seems to be of great significance. We see that the, uh, the Mishnah is emphasizing, first of all, when you start the Shema, although our Mishnah, everybody agrees in our Mishnah when the Shema time starts at night, that it is when the stars come out, but the end time uh, occupies some significance. And moving further on, we will see that there actually is an argument about the start time as well. We're not going to go into all the different opinions, but the Gemara does record a whole bunch of different opinions about the start time that are slightly different, uh, ranging from uh, uh, from 
later in the you know before the before the sun even goes down all the way through even past uh Chavim, potentially past when the stars uh, come out so uh, there's there's a range of opinions but the this is the main part of the Mishnah I wanted to look at and of course if we scroll down a little bit we come to the Gemara the Gemara asks a question which is what why does the based upon what does our Mishnah begin? Where does our Mishnah start? That it that asks, when do you read the Shema without establishing that we have an obligation to read the Shema? Moreover, why does the Mishnah start with Arvit instead of Shachrit? We always think that the day starts with the morning. Why would we start discussing this mitzvah at night? And the Gemara gives two answers. One is the Pasuk Bishoch Becha lie down and then rise up. That's obviously the source of the idea of reading the Shema, that you should discuss the Torah when you lie down and when you rise up. But also it mentions here, in addition, that there's, uh, there's the fact that the Mibriyat uh, Toshel Olam, that the creation also, it was evening and it was morning one day. So we see that in general, the Torah follows evening and then morning, that order. So one answer is a local answer, meaning the Kriyat Shema itself is described evening before morning. Um, then there's a more generic answer, a broader answer, that whenever we deal with matters of halacha, we should follow the time schedule of the Torah, which is evening precedes morning, according to the Torah. So that's just, I want to leave that there because what you see here is that the timing is very, very significant when it comes to Kriyat Shema. If you think about it, what really makes Kriyat Shema? What are you doing in Kriyat Shema? You're reading three paragraphs from the Torah, three paragraphs from the Chumash. You could read those three paragraphs anytime you want. Obviously not when you're in the bathroom, not on Tisha B'Av. I'm saying almost any time that you want, you could sit and read those three paragraphs and you would be doing a mitzvah of learning Torah anytime that you wanted, right? What makes Kriyat Shema different is that it's, it has a specific time, okay? Now, that why is that that's important not only for the evening kriyachima but if you jump all the way ahead to the next mishnayot oh that's going to be scrolling quite a while but if you jump ahead when the gemara talks about or when the mishnah talks next about kriyachima of the morning you have a similar phenomenon you have a discussion of when does the kriyachima of the morning begin and when does the mitzvah of kriyachima of the morning end and there you have Basically, the Mishnah tells us that ideally a person should, according to the first opinion, really a person must read the Kriyat Shema with the rising of the sun, which would be quite a challenge for many people to time it so perfectly every day. But the Allah follows the more lenient opinion that you have up to a quarter of the day, the first three hours of the day. And again, that's coming from the Pasuk, Uv Kumecha, when you rise up meaning when you get up in the morning. I talked long enough to keep you guys distracted, um, like they do, uh, like the sportscasters do when they when they talk about the game until the next exciting thing happens, right? From when can you read the Shema in the morning? When you can tell the difference between blue and white, Rabbi Eliezer says, that's a little bit a de- later because it's between blue and green, fine. The Gomra Adanitza Chama. Rabbi Yoshomer Ad Shaloshaot Shekin Dech Blem Rachim, Lamab Shaloshaot. Okay, so this Mishnah is again focusing on what? On the timing of the Shema. It, when, can, when do you start it? When you can see a little bit of light? When do you end it? Either when the sun comes up or three hours in, because after all, princes are not going to get up so early through the Kuyat Shema 
at, uh, at sunrise, they sleep in three hours. So therefore, since that's still considered uv kumecha, it's still considered a time that you get up. So we'll consider that, we'll count that as kriyachim of the morning. And this is a very interesting point. If somebody were to read after the time of kriyachim has already passed, he doesn't lose anything. Why not? Because he's just reading the Torah. In other words, you can read the kriyachim whenever you want. You can read the Kriyat Shema as many times as you want. You're just reading Psukim. There's nothing wrong with reading Torah Shebikhtav. You're learning Torah basically when you read the Shema. So there's never a problem with reading the Shema. What did you miss out on? You missed out on reading in the proper time. Okay? So what, I'm, what I want you to see here is the, the, really the operative principle or the concern here, the main focus of, these, of the Halakha with regards to this this aspect, at least, of the halachot of Kriyat Shema is the timing of the Kriyat Shema, okay? But why is that so important? Why is it so critical, uh, the timing of the Kriyat Shema? Now, let's take a look at another source. We'll look at what the Rambam says about introducing Kriyat Shema. A person reads Kriyat Shema twice a day, Evening and morning, Shenemar, Ubshokbecha, Ufkumecha, Besha Shedergne Adam Shokvin, Vizerulaila. So at the time when people go to sleep, which is nighttime, Ufsha Shedergne Adam Omdin Vizeruyom. And when a person stands up, meaning gets up in the morning, which is called daytime, right? Umau Kore, what does he read? Now he tells you the, the, the paragraphs. Shalosh Parashot Elo, Ven Shema, Vayaim Shemoa, Vayomer. He reads the three paragraphs that we all know from the Kriyat Shema. Because in Kriyat Shema, in the first paragraph, you have three critical concepts. The unity of God, the love of God, and the study of Torah. Because this is the fundamental that everything else is dependent upon these principles, the oneness of God, and what comes together with the oneness of God is love of God and study of His wisdom. After that is the middle paragraph of the Shema, which talks about the command to fulfill the mitzvot. And then you have Parashat Tzitit that has also a remembering of all the mitzvot. And as the Rambam goes on to say in the next halacha, it also has Zechirat Yitziat Mitzrayim, remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim, which is a mitzvah to do evening and morning as well, every day. And so therefore it's included in the Kriyat Shema as well. So what do you see from here though? What you see from here is that these paragraphs in and of themselves are significant paragraphs. Meaning these paragraphs are paragraphs that contain content that's very important content in and of itself. And we can see that from other sources in Torah. We see from the fact that these paragraphs, at least the first two, are also in your tefillin. These paragraphs are also attached to your doorpost in your mezuzah. These paragraphs are paragraphs that occupy a significant place in many other areas of halacha. So these, the content of these paragraphs is obviously fundamental. What makes Kriyat Shema different from other uh, readings of Torah is again, not just the content, but the timing. So there's two elements. One is what is read in Kriyat Shema, which obviously these are fundamental ideas of Judaism. The oneness of God, love of God, study of Torah, keeping of all the mitzvot, remembering of all the mitzvot and of Yitziat Mitzrayim. The foundations of Judaism are contained in these paragraphs and the timing of the evening and morning, which we need to understand why is that so important? 
Why is that so critical? Okay, now you'll notice the interesting thing that we saw in the Mishnah that if somebody reads after, uh, they read after the time has already passed, they don't lose anything because they are like a person who is learning to so it's perfectly fine for them to uh, to read whenever they want. They can read those paragraphs whenever they want. And you'll see that the Rambam also uh, says something very, very interesting. He says that when he, after he describes the timing for the, the various rules of timing uh, uh, regarding these, um, regarding the Kriyat Shema, he says that even if a person reads the Kriyat Shema after the first three hours of the day, which technically he passed the mitzvah already, he doesn't get credit for Kriyat Shema in its proper time because he passed the time. However, he's just like someone who reads the Torah. And he can actually say the Bacha all day long. Now that's not what the Shulchan Aruch says. Shulchan Aruch holds that you can only read the Bachot of Kriyat Shema until the fourth hour, meaning until the end of Zman Tfilah, until the end of the time for the Amidah of Shachri. Then you can, then after that, if you, let's say, get up at 11 o'clock in the morning and you want to read Kriyat Shema, you cannot say the Bachot of the Kriyat Shema anymore, according to Shulchan Aruch. According to the Rambam, that's not true. According to the Rambam, when it says, mikan in the Mishnah, that if a person reads the Kriyat Shema after the allotted time, then he doesn't lose anything. That means he can even say the Bachot at three in the afternoon. Let's say a person really sleeps in. He wakes up at two o'clock in the afternoon. He missed Shacharit. He missed everything. But he wants to read the Kriyat Shema. According to the Rambam, not only can he read the Kriyat Shema at that time, he can even uh, say the Bachot on the Kriyat Shema in the afternoon. It's all day long, he could say. So that's a very fascinating thing. That's a really remarkable thing because wait a second. That seems to contradict everything that we said up till now because we were saying up till now, that Kriyat Shema, the main thing about Kriyat Shema is the timing. That's what makes it a mitzvah. That's how it's differentiated from, let's say, I just want to learn Parashat Vaitchanan and Parashat Ekev. So I'm learning them in the Chumash. What's the difference between that and Kriyat Shema? It's the timing. But here you see that the Rambam is saying that even if you do this later in the afternoon, you can even say the Bachot. So what happened to the idea that the timing is really what defines Kriyat Shema? What happened to that idea? So very interestingly, the uh, Kesef Mishneh, who is actually the same person as the Bet Yosef and the same person as Marana Shulchan Aruch, same person, okay, gives an explanation of the Rambam, which is very creative. He says that just like a person who uh, at night can read the Kriyat Shema all night long because it says, Uv Shuch Becha, means all night long, right? It means all night long. So, so too, means all day long. And it's only a rabbinic rule that you have to read the Kriyat Shema by the third hour of the day. That's only rabbinic. Really, all day long is acceptable. That's what the Kesef Mishneh says as an explanation of the Rambam. There's only one problem with that, which is, if that were true, how could it be that the Rambam never mentions that? Normally, if the Rambam wants to tell you this is the halacha mina Torah, this is the halacha midorabanan, he spells it out. He would say, "Listen, if you uh, the halacha midoraita is from the Torah, you could read the Kriyat Shema all day long. If you went but the Chachamim made a takana, they made an instant, they made a rule that you have to do it by the third hour. But if you pass the third hour, so you could still say the Bachot because midoraita, it's still a valid Kriyat Shema. But he doesn't say that. How could he not make such an obvious point?" And if you think about it, really, this is an example 
of, uh, of where if you go back to your fundamentals, you could see that the, that the problem that the Kesef Mishnah is raising is not really a problem, but we're, we're not going to jump to that yet. Let's go to another important point um, before we get to that. Uh, a more general uh, view of the Kriyat Shema. We know that the Kriyat Shema, as we said, the content is fundamental and the timing is fundamental. These are the two aspects that make it Kriyat Shema. Now we see that one of the aspects, one of the aspects of learning halacha, when you learn the Mishnah or the Gemara is you have no context, you have no framework. One of the things that the Rambam did, the greatest gift that the Rambam gave to all students of Torah is he gave a framework and a curriculum that shows us how the not only an, a particular mitzvah's components fit together into a coherent system, but how all the mitzvot fit together into a coherent system. And in particular, when there are systems of mitzvot that are united by a common theme, he shows it to us. So for instance, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to Sefer Ava, Sefer Ava is the book of love. Now it sounds very romantic. It's talking about the love of God, um, which it could also be very romantic, but it's uh, in a different way. So when when the uh, when it, when it's uh, when he opens a book, any book of the Rambam, when he in the beginning of the book, he always starts with a pasuk. Let's see what the pasuk is that he starts with. And one of his favorite rakim, favorite chapters in Tanakh is the 119th chapter of Tehilim, which is known as Alphabeta for Svaradim, very commonly read in different contexts, the Alphabeta. It's a beautiful, beautiful mizmor. It's the longest chapter in all of Tanakh because for every letter of the Aleph Bet, there are eight pesukim. It's a very, so therefore it's a very, very long chapter. However, it also, it's all a praise of the beauty of Torah and mitzvot. So it, this is the pasuk. Now the Rambam always had b'shem Hashem el olam at the beginning of every one of his books. But in the beginning of Sefer Avai, he says, Ma'avti Toratecha, kol how much I love your Torah. All day it is my conversation. All day it's my conversation. Now, this theme, what that means is that all of the mitzvot that you see here, Sefer Shini Sefer Ava, all the mitzvot that you see here, Kriyat Shema, Tefillah, Tefillin Mezuzah, Tzitzit, Barachot, even Brit Milah, all of them are connected to this overarching theme of love of God constantly being having your mind occupied with Hashem. And this pasuk really tells us what the message is that the Rambam felt uh, is being conveyed by these mitzvot. Ma'ahavti Torah how I love your Torah. All day it's my conversation. Now, literally that can't be true because a person has to do other practical things, right? They can't always be learning Torah every single second, but kolayomi sichati means that my day, the essence of my day, my essential focus in life is your Torah. It is the conversation that it is, it is the, uh, the, the, the screenplay of my life, okay? Now, if we take a look, this is not an accident that the Rambam gets onto Avat Hashem, love of God in the second book of the Mishneh Torah, because does anybody know, I'm sure many of you have studied Sefer Amadah, the first book of the Mishneh Torah, which has much of the deepest philosophical content of the Mishneh Torah, and that, in the uh, in the uh, at the end of the uh, of Sefer Hamada is Hilchot Teshuvah, 
And the very last theme that the Rambam leaves off with in the end of Sefer Ramada, the book of knowledge, is love of God. It's not the first time he introduced love of God. He actually introduces love of God in Yisodea Torah, in the fundamentals of the Torah. But he comes back to it when he's talking about Tishuva, because he's talking about what a person's impulse should be, what their motive should be in returning to God and doing Tishuva. And he says, and he says a person should, re should return to God from Ahava, from love. That's really the primary motivation and incentive a person, person to have no, no uh, ulterior motive, but love of God. He's describing, you know, the person should have a love of God that is great and strong and powerful. Until he finds that his soul is attached, is, bond, is, is, is bound up with the love of God and is is constantly preoccupied with it. Like the way a person is lovesick for a human beloved. That's how we should feel. Because if you have a, if you're in love with a woman, okay, or a woman is in love with a man, right, that he's constantly thinking of them. Okay, that's what's on their mind all the time. That's the difference between love and being in love. When you're in love, you can't stop thinking about the person that you're in love with. Okay, ben b'shivto, ben b'kumo. These words should sound familiar to, to you if you're reading the Kriyat Shema. Ben b'shivto, whether it's when he's sitting down. Ben b'kumo, whether he's getting up, right? Ben even when he's eating and drinking. Even more than a person who has a a crush and is in love with a, a woman or a man, even more than that should be the love of God. Those who love God are constantly preoccupied. He's literally quoting to you the Kriyat Shema. Okay, and this is what Shlomo Melech said when he described Kicholat Avaani Shira Shirim. The entire Shira Shirim is all about that. He says, "Okay, now the um, he says, and one more point. I'm skipping some. It's all really, really important. But uh, he says, Love of God will not be attached in the heart of a person. It won't be. It won't become a part of you." unless you fully dedicate yourself to that relationship and you leave everything else behind. It's only the level of knowledge you have of God that's going to produce that love. Very famous phrase of the Rambam, based on the level of knowledge will be the love. If God forbid it's very little, it will be little. If hopefully it's a lot, it will be a lot. So the point is that the constant engagement with, with God, constant engagement with the wisdom of God is what's going to propel a person to genuine love of Hashem. So when we have that idea, that is the idea with which basically the Rambam concludes, okay, and then he says, therefore a person should dedicate himself to understand all the chuchmot and funot that teach him about God so that he can reach that level of avat Hashem, right? That's how he closes Sefer Hamada. That's how he closes the book of knowledge, which is the first book. And then the next book opens with how much I love your Torah all day long. It's what I talk about. In other words, these mitzvot then are helping us to create a framework to produce that kind of awareness of God. Okay, that's what the Rambam is showing you. He's transitioning from one to the other to tell you that we have 
an ideal of a person who is preoccupied with the love of God and knowledge of God. But how do you get there? You need a structure and a framework that's going to produce that kind of a constant awareness of God. That is the mitzvot of Sefer Ava. And first among them, first and foremost among them is going to be the Kriyat Shema. The Kriyat Shema is what structures a person's day around their knowledge of God. Okay, that's the that's really what the idea of the Kriyat Shema is supposed to be. There are many proofs of this notion as well that even in the Talmud Yerushalmi, we have a similar uh, a, a similar idea that the uh, it talks about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and uh, how Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai wasn't a big fan of doing mitzvot asay. You know, he didn't have to do. He was exempt from uh, many of the positive mitzvot because he was involved in learning all the time. But the Gemara asks. To how far can you really take that idea? So uh, it says, whoops, I did something. I don't know what it, ah, here we go. Ramban Gamliel, he says that, uh, where was it? No, I need my Rabbi Shemba Yochai, where is he? Now I lost my spot. The point is that it says that, how was it possible that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai would not say Kriyat Shema? He said, I don't have to, we don't say Kachman, we don't say tefillah because we're constantly learning. Um, I want to find it. And he says, the reason is because Kriyat Shema is Shinun. And what we're doing is Shinun. In other words, Kriyat Shema is learning. And what we're doing is learning. So why push off learning because of learning? Right? right now it's, it, it, it jumped away from me, but it's here in the, it's in the beginning of the Ushalmi uh, Bachot. And similarly, you have in Masechet Nachot, this is in the Talmud Bavli, Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai says, Even if a person only read the Kriyat Shema, evening and morning, he fulfills the obligation of Lo Yamush Sefer that the Torah doesn't leave our mouths, that we're involved in the Torah, it's the minimum. And then there's a machloket, there's an argument whether we should let people know that, because if we let people know that, will that encourage them? Or will that discourage them and say, oh, well, I already said Kriyat Shema, I don't need to learn now. But the idea is that you see that the emphasis in Kriyat Shema is that it is learning. It's a type of learning. In other words, it frames your day around learning. If you want to frame your day around learning, what are you going to frame it with? You're going to frame it with the most fundamental principles that are at the basis, that are the, that are the foundation of all of your other learning. What is the foundation of all of our learning? Our foundation of all of our learning is the oneness of God, love of God, the importance of knowing God, the importance of fulfilling the mitzvot, the implications of Yitziat Mitzrayim. All of this, what's called Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shamayim, accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven upon us, is basically the intellectual framework, as it were, uh, for all of the rest of our limud, all of the rest of the studying and the learning that we do in the course of the day. It's creating that all day long, it is our conversation. All day long, it, everything else that we do is referring back in one way or another, or should connect back to the roots that we plant, to the foundation that we establish in the Kriyat Shema evening and morning. So when we, with that in mind, okay, with that in mind, so we can start to see, it starts to become clear why the content of Kriyat Shema is so important. It's not just that we want to have a little bit of learning in the evening and a little bit of learning in the morning, right? Take a look at what the Torah itself says when it talks about the Shema. 
It says, you should love Hashem, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And these words that I command you should be on your heart. You should teach them to your children and speak of them when you sit in the house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You should tie them as a sign on your arm, and they should be as jewelry between your eyes, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What is this describing? This is describing what the Rambam was describing at the end of Sefer Amada. This is the person who is in love with God. Therefore, all that he's talking about is Divrei Torah. Therefore, he, he, put, he wants the words of Torah on his arm. He wants them on his head. The jewelry of the person, the adornment of the person is the words of Torah. His house is going to have the words of Torah on its gates. Every, he wants to be surrounded by it constantly. Being surrounded by it, in, on, it, is, it means two things. We, we put, we hang pictures of people that we love on the wall because we love them. It's an expression of how much we love them, but also we like to look at those pictures because then we feel the feeling of love. We think of them. We enjoy thinking of them. So it's almost a circular phenomenon. What we put up is what we love and then we get to enjoy it. We look at it and we feel that love. So, with, so the very fact that we put it up shows that we love whatever it is that we put up. But then the fact that we, we, we look upon it is a, a way that we draw inspiration and some uh, enjoyment from that relationship of love that we have. And this is exactly what the Torah is describing in the Kriyat Shema. So part of what it's describing is you should speak of the words of Torah when you lie down and when you rise up. What is lying down and rising up? What is lying down and rising up really? Why is that time so specific, specifically so important? So the, the, there are two possibilities. And if we go back, really, if we now understand that what the Torah is telling you is to frame your day, to frame your life, to organize your life around seeking love of knowledge of God and love of God. That's what all of these mitzvot are conspiring together to do. So once we have that, we know that that means that our plan of learning can't be disconnected from the fundamentals. Because if a person just sits down and reads Gemarot and reads Halachot and reads Chumash, but doesn't have a framework, what, what are the un ultimate principles that give all of this learning meaning, that pull all of this learning together? What are the roots of all of the learning that we're really engaged in? Then they're going to lose sight of what really is supposed to be weaving all of the knowledge that they gain into one tapestry, into one holistic understanding. And so the Kriyat Shema is a way of doing that, but it does it in two, two possible ways. And if we go back to where we started, we can now maybe understand what is the difference between whether Kriyat Shema is good all night long or only the beginning of the night. Okay. Once you, you can go to, for a million different possible theories, but once you see very clearly what Kriyat Shema is trying to accomplish, the, the, the reasoning of Rabban Gamliel and the reasoning of, uh, of Rabbi Eliezer become very compelling and understandable. Rabban Gamliel is, well, Rabbi Eliezer, let's start with. Rabbi Eliezer says basically that just like in the morning, when you get up, you have a few hours and then you start your day. So you can only say the Kriyat Shema in the beginning when you get up. You can't say it past that time. So too at night, when people are going to sleep, you have to say the Kriyat Shema in the beginning of the night as people are going to sleep. In other words, he's saying to you that you set the tone for your day with Kriyat Shema and you set the tone for your night with Kriyat Shema. It's two different, it's the same thing, 
but you're doing it one for the day, one for the night. Right? You're not you're supposed to be involved in Torah day and night. So you set up a framework of what are the fundamentals of knowledge of God in the morning and in the night. It's it they they parallel each other. Rabban Gamliel is saying, no, it's not about that. It's a it's a different concept. The concept of Rabban Gamliel, why is all night game valid for Kriyachima of the night? Because Rabban Gamliel is saying to you something else. He's saying, if you look at the Pasuk carefully, you'll see that what is it describing? It's describing when you walk on the way, when you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you rise up. What is that really describing? All the time that you are not committed to anything else, right? Meaning when you're commuting, you're not working, you're, or when you're sitting in your house, you're doing nothing. When you're traveling, you're, you're traveling on the way, you're on your way to work, but you're not there yet, right? When you're in transit. When you lie down at night, meaning when you're free of your activities of work of the day, you're, you're, you're in leisure mode. And when you wake up in the morning before you commence your daily activities. In other words, he's saying that the, the Torah is describing to you different examples of when a person normally, what do you do? If you love something in your life, you love it. The minute you are not busy with an activity that you're obligated to do, your mind is going to go right for that thing that you love. If a person loves sports, I don't know, the minute that they're finished with whatever activities they have to take care of, they're going to think about sports. If a person loves uh, Torah, then the minute that they're not busy with whatever is normally preoccupying them, they're going to, that's where their mind is going to go. So Rabban Gamliel is saying all night is actually similar to the beginning of the day. Because if you wake up at, let's say you have to go to work at eight o'clock, you wake up at seven o'clock or 6.30, okay? That beginning of the day is free time. If you were madly in love with a woman, what would you think of the minute that you woke up before you had to go to work? You'd be thinking of her, right? The second you're out of your, your whole commute to work, you're going to be thinking of her. And then you're going to be busy at work. You won't be able to think of her. But the second that you leave work and you're on your way home again, you're going to be thinking of her. And when you go to sleep, you're going to be, you know, meaning when you're done, you're retiring for the night, you're going to be thinking of her. So the idea is that whenever your mind is free, you're going to, you're going to be involved in the, uh, the divrei Torah. You're going to be involved in, and, and not just any divrei Torah, but in the fundamentals of divrei Torah, which is the, what's represented by the Kriyat Shema. So one way is to have it like Rabbi Eliezer says, that there's a daytime schedule. You start your daytime schedule with the fundamentals of the Kriyat Shema. There's a nighttime schedule. You start your nighttime schedule with the fundamentals of, of Torah. According to Rabban Gamliel, when the times that are free of obligation, the times that are free of obligation, you should be engaged in Kriyat Shema. So in the daytime, that's only the very beginning of the day because your day is going to be heavily scheduled uh, after that. The evening, all evening, uh, you know, presumably you don't have any obligations and therefore it's good for Kriyat Shema because the idea is expression of love. Expression of love comes at the unscheduled times. It comes at the times when you have the freedom to engage in that kind of a, uh, in that aspect of your life. And what, how do you engage in it? You engage in it by going for the fundamentals, by going for the content of Torah that is the foundation of all other content, that is the, the sodot, that, that comprises the, uh, the fundamentals. And that's, the, that's Rabban Gamliel's understanding of Kriyat Shema. So with that in mind, now we can explain, we can answer perhaps what 
the problem was in the Rambam, that the Rambam said all day long, if a person reads the Kriyat Shema, they can actually say the Brachot. And so the Kesef Mishneh, Marana Bet Yosef, was troubled by that. How could that be? Doesn't that imply that, uh, doesn't that imply that the, uh, that really technically speaking, the Mitzvah of Kriyat Shema of the daytime is all day long? And the, and the idea of doing it first thing in the morning is not really a biblical commandment? Not necessarily. Because what, what the Rambam is saying is that there's a value to reading Kriyat Shema anytime during the day, really. There's a value to reading Kriyat Shema anytime during the day as that which focuses us on what our learning is all about, on what our real goal, what our purpose is ultimately in all of our learning. That Kriyat Shema is always valuable. The fact that we say it first thing in the morning is a sign of our love of Torah. It's a sign of our passion for Torah that we say it in the morning. It's a sign of our passion for Torah that we say it at night. Both of these elements are important, but they can exist separately from one another. So even if the person lost out on the passion side because he missed out on the first thing in the morning element of the Kriyat Shema, he could still salvage the aspect, which is that Kriyat Shema expresses the fundamentals that make all of our learning meaningful and all of our learning purposeful. And this is the reason really why you see that the Kriyat Shema is considered like the quintessential learning of Torah throughout Chazal. You also find that, for example, we say Birchot Torah in the morning, right? One of the Birchot HaShachar, we say three actually. Some say it's two Birchot and it's three, right? So the three Birchot that we say of the, of the Birchot Torah, according to the Gemara, is only for a person who got up to learn before they said Kriyat Shema. Why? Because really Kriyat Shema has the Bachav Avat Olam before, or for the Ashkenazim in the morning, they say Avar right? The Avat Olam Bacha is, uh, precedes the Kriyat Shema. That is Birkat Torah. That's Birkat Torah. So really, if a person got, went straight to Shacharit, they wouldn't have to say those Birkat Torah beforehand. They could just say Avat Olam, and that's considered to be uh, Birkat Torah. Why? Why is it that way? Because the Kriyat Shema is, your, is the foundation of your learning. That's so the birkat uh, the avat olam blessing is the blessing on the learning all the learning of Torah that you're going to do for the day, because the kriyat shema is the beginning of that. If you didn't get up before the before shacharit to learn, so then the kriyat shema is the beginning of your learning for the day. So you say the birkat avarabah. There are two brachot that precede actually kriyat shema. One is about the creation of the universe, and about the malachim in the morning, especially we emphasize the malachim, right? Then the second bracha is always about Torah, always about learning of Torah. So that's a, that makes perfect sense because the Kriyat Shema is a recognition that God is one. The Yichudo, like the Rambam said, the oneness of God, the fact that, he, that all things that, that exist were created by God, the unity of God, the transcendence of God, and also Limud Torah. Also the learning of Torah, the learning of the Chuchmat Hashem, the wisdom of Hashem that brings us closer to God and instills within us a love of God. So these two elements are expressed in the Bachot that precede the Kriyat Shema. They're expressed in there because the Kriyat Shema is not just about uh, reading certain paragraphs, but it's about setting up our whole framework of how we look at the world and how we look at our process of growth. That's what it's all about. And so the, um, and, and uh, moreover, you see even that Kriyat, the timing of Kriyat Shema, the timing of Kriyat Shema, according to some of the Tanaim in the Gemara, is based upon 
social things like, oh, when the Kohanim come to eat their Turuma, or when a person comes to say Kiddush in the nighttime, or when a person comes home from work at the end of the day. And then according to others, it's based upon, uh, or, you know, the three hours in the morning is based upon people sleeping in in the morning and so on. Uh, and whereas uh, the, um, the the other line of interpretation is that no, nighttime is when the stars come out. Really, it's a it's an astronomical significance. The uh, the 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 morning Shema should be read when the sun comes up. It's again going by astronomy, not by people's habits, but by astronomy. Okay, so this is a fundamental difference among the Tanaim, among the rabbis of the Mishnah and the Gemara, whether this timing of should be fixed based upon the universe, so to speak, or based upon human conduct. But again, you can see both of these ideas are reflected in the Kriyat Shema itself, because the Kriyat Shema is on one hand reflecting Yichudo, the oneness of God. God is the creator of the universe. Okay, the, the transcendence of God, but it's also reflecting our process of learning and growth, our process of development, inner development, coming closer to God, developing love of God. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of the universe, from the creation, the first of the two bachot that precede Kriyat Shema, right? In the morning, that's Yotzer Ovoi Choshech, that Hashem creates light and dark. In the evening, it's Asher etc. It's both of them speak about creation, light and darkness of creation, um, and both. And in both cases, you have a second bracha that refers to uh, refers to Avat Hashem uh, and Limud Torah, basically the learning of Torah. In both cases, so the question is, which one of these two elements is the is going to determine the timing of the Kriyachima? Will it be the human side? And we go by the human schedule and we determine when does a person's schedule begin? When does a person's schedule end? Or do we look at the creation and we say, no, the Kriyat Shema should reflect the idea of the, of the creation. It shouldn't just reflect my own uh, schedule as a human being because my own development as a human being is in harmony with the rest of the universe. The entire universe is expressing and reflecting the wisdom of God, and I'm just getting started. The whole universe is automatically reflecting the wisdom of God. I'm in the process of learning so that I can uh, try to, in some way or another, approximate that in my own life. So we have these two elements as well in our uh, in our Kriyat Shema, expressed in the Kriyat Shema. So uh, hopefully from this little uh, example, we've seen how, uh, how details about a, uh, a, a particular mitzvah, details about how the Kriyat Shema is recited, what's recited, when it's recited, even the Bachot of Kriyat Shema, which blessings are said uh, prior to the Kriyat Shema, whether the timing is fixed based upon social factors or based upon astronomical factors, all of these really derive from understanding what role the Kriyat Shema plays in the Torah system in general, specifically the way the Rambam classifies it in terms of the mitzvot of Sefer Ava, mitzvot that are meant to structure our lives, structure our days around the process of learning and growth. And, uh, and so that it's chati, so that all day, our entire day is really ultimately geared towards this purpose of knowledge of God and love of God. Okay, so we saw, you know, that these details are all instrumental in that. And of course, ultimately within the Torah system as a whole, how these mitzvot um, fit in. But using this as an example of how particular halachot, 
really are emerging from a much, much deeper understanding of the meaning and the purpose whether it's, the, whether it's the timing of the Kriyat Shema, the content of the Kriyat Shema, the fact that according to the Rambam, the Kriyat Shema can be read all day, even into the afternoon with the Bachot, all of these different elements, or the fact that Kriyat Shema's Bachot are considered the Bachot on the Torah um, for a person who has not, was not learning prior to saying the Kriyat Shema, that the Bachot, of the, that, that the bachot before Kriyat Shema counts for the purpose of Birkot uh, Torah. All of these details that would seem... Uh, unrelated, uh, really come together in uh, a coherent picture of what the Kriyachma is supposed to be accomplishing. And just to give you a teaser for, an, for one more point, that tefillah, really what Kriyachma accomplishes for our learning in Avat Hashem is really what tefillah is accomplishing for our mitzvot, for our avodat Hashem. That's why it's the primary avodat Hashem is the tefillah. And Kriyat Shema is the foundation of our Talmud Torah, the foundation of our knowledge of God. So these two mitzvot, that's why the rabbis emphasize so much learning of Torah and tefillah as the two most fundamental mitzvot that we have. And the two forms of Kiddushah in a place are Bet Midrash and Bet Knesset, because a place that's designated for the learning of Torah and a place that's designated for, the, uh, that's designated for tefillah. These being the two, uh, uh, the two sort of avot, the two uh, uh, broadest categories of our service of Hashem and our process of uh, development. So, I hope that this brought shed some light on how we can take individual halachot, and when we look at these halachot and we look at a mitzvah in its broader context, they can fall into place and make so much more sense. Wow! Thank you so much, Racham. That was extremely insightful. Um, it's amazing to see how all the seemingly disparate uh, details come together um, and uh, work together. And also the, the back theory, the, 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 the deeper philosophical theory drives all the details. Um, with that, does anyone have any questions, comments? You can uh, raise your hand or unmute. IP, your question. Okay. Um, I guess no one has any questions. It was so clear. Um, Hopefully. Okay, everyone. So um, thank you so much for coming. And we have to get you on our on our Discord uh, app so we can uh, so we can have a lot more discussions. And uh, usually there's a lot more discussions on our networks after. So we have to sure. get you on there. And um, thank you so much for it's that. My pleasure. And, and thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Opportunities to learn with everyone. Thank you, everyone. Right. Thank you. Okay. Bye, bye. bye, -bye.